So good morning and welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Next Steps. And in this series, we're seeing how God's challenging all of us to take a next step and reaching out and growing up and giving all and becoming the men and women that God wants us to be, to live the life that God wants us to live because God has an incredible story for us and God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. But it takes us stepping out. It takes us following. And as you look through scripture, it's always the people of God that God uses in great ways who are people who are willing to step out. And you think about Abraham, right? Abraham's living in the Ur of the Chaldeans, a great place, wonderful things are there. And then God calls him and says, Abraham, come on. Come be a part of something bigger than yourself. Come, follow me. And he steps out. And the children of Israel going into the promised land. And, and God says, put your foot in the water. And when you step in the water, the waters will part. You've got to take a step. You've got to step out. You've got to get wet. You've got to be involved. As we see the disciples, Jesus said, come follow me. And there's this movement in the life of a believer. There's this movement in the life of following God. Our God's not a complacent God. Our God's not sitting on the sidelines. Our God is active and he's involved. And he invites us to be a part of his story. So we're in this great series, right? We're walking through the book of Ezra. 2,500 years ago, the people of God, these people, God had done miraculous things in their life. Just like God's doing miraculous things in our lives. And God's saying, I want you to follow me. Now what we've seen so far in the book of Ezra is the people that God had called out, the Israelites. And God had said to them, from you I will bring the salvation of the world. From you I will bring the Messiah. And so I want you to live the way I've called you to live. And he brings them into the promised land. He gives them houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant. He just blesses them and blesses them. But sure enough, they get in the land and they start looking around they're like, Oh, look at these gods, you know, <laughs> these little G gods. We like them. We like the things that they're doing. And they got enamored with the world and so easily for us, right? God does great things in our lives and we look around and we're like, I like the things of this world. And we find our identity in those many times. And yet God says, hold on to me, trust me. And so God says, because the Israelites are not trusting me, I'm going to take you away. I'm going to put you in time out as a loving parent for, for a little while, but I'll bring you back. And so they're conquered by the Babylonians. You can go back and study world history, right? 605 B.C., the Babylonian Empire comes through Jerusalem. It's 586 B.C. when the temple is destroyed, Jerusalem is destroyed. They're taken off into exile. But then God raises up a man named Cyrus. Cyrus, the king of the Persians. The Persians come in, conquer the Babylonians. And in the first year, Cyrus issues this proclamation. Israelites, you can go home. You can go back to Jerusalem. You can go back and rebuild the temple. You can go back to your homeland. Now this never happened. It didn't. Once you were a conquered people, you were done. But God delivered them. God came to their rescue, right? Came to their rescue and delivered them out of this bondage and this captivity. And he brought them back to their land. And they came back and the first thing they did was they laid the foundation for the temple. Right? Even before they went to their homes, even before they did all those other things to take care of themselves, they said, we want God's house to flourish. We want God's house to be in the center of our community. The people know that we're following God. And they started working on the foundation. Then Ezra chapter 4, opposition comes. There were obstacles in their lives. And so they abandoned the work. And they stopped working on the temple. And they went to their homes and they planted crops and vineyards and they built bigger houses. And yet the house of God's lay dormant 18 years. And when we come to Ezra chapter 5, that's what we see. God calling the people, saying, I'm not finished with you. I'm still working in your life. 
I still have great plans for you. Trust me and take your next step. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 5. Old Testament, right? Old Testament, book of Ezra. Or maybe you have a mobile device. Maybe you have an iPad or something with you where you can access the scriptures. Go on version, track along with us as we see God's word come alive today, I hope and pray. We're going to put the words on the screen too. So if you have a worship guide, you're taking notes, and we're going to dial in right here. First thing I want you to see is God speaks to his people. God speaks to his people. Look at Ezra chapter 5 verse 1. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. All right. So here we are. You've got these two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, right? And these two prophets or pastors start to teach and to preach and to speak to the people. Now, I love this because if you look in the Old Testament, two of the last three books are Haggai, Zechariah, and then Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So you're seeing how all of this fits together. And Haggai begins, and it kind of dates itself, and it tells us this was August 29th of 520 B.C. So August 29th of 520 B.C., Haggai, this pastor, this prophet, gives this sermon series, and he's telling the people, take your next step. He's telling the people, hey guys, listen, we've abandoned the work of the God. We need to come back. We need to finish the temple. Two months later, this other pastor's prophet, Zechariah, jumps in and begins to teach the same theme, the same truth. And they're calling the people to obedience. So if you want to turn with me over to Haggai, if you just kind of keep going in the Old Testament, head over that way and dial in with me. Haggai chapter 1, look at what he says here in Haggai chapter 1 verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So God says to the people, wait, 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 you've forgotten about my house. You've gone and built your houses. You've made bigger houses. You've put in, you know, all granite countertops and everything else. But you've forgotten about my house. Come back. He says in verse 7, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord Almighty. So God speaks to the people. God speaks to the people and says, guys, you've forgotten. It's been 18 years. 18 years. But I'm not finished. I'm not finished with you and I'm not finished with my house. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. Come on back. God speaks to his people. The fact is this, God still speaks to his people today. God speaks to all of us. Now sometimes we're like, oh God, if you would just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. And God's going, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm speaking, I'm speaking. There's four ways that God speaks to us. The first way is this, God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word, right? J. Vernon McGee, who's a, um, a, a scholar, a biblical commentator, he, he says if God were to speak audibly today, he would have to repeat himself because he's written it all down for us. He wants us to know how he wants us to live. God has spoken to us. And you know this, right? I mean, aren't there times that you're reading the Bible and you're like, oh, yeah, that was right for me. That was right for me. It may be a passage that you've read dozens of times, but for whatever reason, you're reading this passage and your heart is open and, and it says that the word of God is active, it's alive, and it comes in and it penetrates our soul and our spirit. And, and you know this, as you're reading and studying the word, God will speak to you. 
And so maybe you're here today and you're like, I just need a fresh word from the Lord. I just need God to speak to me and tell me, hey, dive in and jump in. Maybe you're reading through the Psalms or reading through Proverbs. Maybe you start the book of John. But as you read the word of God, God will speak. The second way God speaks to his people is through people, through pastors, through teachers, through parents, through friends, through godly counsel. That's why it's important to have godly people in your life. You know, when you're going through a struggle or a difficulty and you go to somebody and say, hey, will you pray for me? Pray with me. And then all of a sudden they go, you know what? I've been praying for you and I feel like the Lord is saying this. I feel like God has put you on my heart or my mind and God wants you to know this. And it's amazing how God will speak through people and to you and in your life. And I think we can all say, man, there's been times in my life that I didn't know what to do and God spoke through somebody to me. Just the other day, it was a couple of weeks ago and and, and I received this news. It was kind of disappointing. I'm like, oh, man. And then just like 30 minutes later, I get this text. It's 1030 at night, right? And, and I get this text, and it was from somebody in our church. And they said, hey, I just want to encourage you. I've been praying for you. You were on my heart and my mind. And, and, and I just feel like God's saying, I'm with you. And I just thought, thank you. you know? It was like God just answered through somebody. And it happens when you and I are looking and listening God speaks, and God wants us to know. God speaks, number three, through this. He speaks through dreams and visions. Through dreams and visions. You know, you, you, you have a dream, and you're thinking, oh, what does that mean? Is God speaking to me? You go back in the Old Testament, and you look at people like Joseph in the Old Testament, or Daniel, you look at Ezekiel, and the, these dreams, but also visions. And God's given you a vision for your life. God's given you a vision for how he wants you to raise your family, or God's given you a vision for this career or this dream to come to fruition in your life. I'll never forget when God called Lisa and I to be a part of a team to plant rolling hills. Scared to death, but God said, no, I'm with you, and he just gave us a vision for what that would look like. Follow me, he said. And then number four is, here's the fourth way God speaks to his people. It's this, through his still, small voice. Through his still, small voice. Remember back in the Old Testament, Elijah, and Elijah was praying, God, give me a sign. And God wasn't in the fire or the earthquake or the wind. God was in the still, small voice. And so often, we're so busy. We don't have time to stop and to listen. But when we do, and we just go, God, I'm here. God, will you speak? And God does. I'll never forget when Lisa and I were dating, and and I was praying, and we had been dating for a couple of years, and I'm thinking, okay, God, is she the one? You know what I mean? Is she the one? And I was by my bed, kneeling down, praying on my bed, and I, and I prayed. I was like, God, is she the one? And it was just me in my apartment all by myself, and God said, she's the one. And I mean, it was so clear that I, like, looked around, and I thought, somebody's here, you know? I go, okay, let me pray this again. You know? so I, God, you know, are you sure? Is she the one? Because this is a huge decision. This is the second biggest decision of my life. You know, the first big decision is coming to know Christ, giving my life, following Jesus as God draws me to himself. But the second biggest decision of my life, who I marry. So God, is she the one? And God just said, she's the one. She's the one. I just got up. I was like, okay. I mean, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, God was saying she's the one. And I want to tell you, God will speak. God still speaks to his people. And God wants to speak to you and to me. God's not a God of confusion. God is a God of clarity. But did you and I reorder our lives to be able to listen? God will speak. God speaks to his people. Second thing I want you to see is as God speaks, as God speaks, he calls us to do the work. Look at verse 2. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, and Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, 
set to work. Now remember Zerubbabel was the uh, governor. He was the leader of the exiles as they came out. 50,000 people out of this bondage and into freedom. And Zerubbabel's leading. And so these guys, the leaders, go to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. It starts with the leaders. It starts with the heads of the family. But they set out to do the work. They stepped up. It tells us over in Haggai that the whole remnant... Everybody, they obeyed the voice of the Lord and they set out to do the work. You see, when God speaks to you and to me, it's then our responsibility to be obedient, our responsibility to follow. Now, the Bible says in James 1.22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. <laughs> do what it says. A lot of times we want God to speak, right? And we're like, God, what do you think I should do in this situation? God, this is hard, this is difficult, you know, what about this job, this relationship, what's going on? And then God speaks to us, and we know in our soul and our spirit what God wants us to do. But then we kind of do this. Okay, thank you for your opinion. I'll kind of weigh it with my opinion. <laughs> I'll see where, where I think I should go. And he's going, it's not really an opinion, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, because I can see the big picture. I know what's best for you. I know where you will flourish. I know where you will succeed. Trust me. So then it becomes a matter of obedience, right? It becomes a matter of obedience. As God speaks to his people, will we then be obedient to do the work? Will we then be obedient to step out and follow? And so many times it's easier to listen <laughs> than it is to follow. It's easier to listen. That's why I think in the United States, right? We, we want to go from Bible study to Bible study to Bible study. And I love Bible study. I mean, I'm capped at a Bible study. I spend my life in Bible study. But at some point, we then begin to be people who move it into action. That we don't just listen to the word. We become doers of the word. And we live it out. But what happens when we follow? What happens when we step out in faith? What happens when we step out in obedience? Remember last week? Obstacles come, right? Obstacles come. And here come some of the challenges. Verse 3. At that time, Tantania, governor of the Trans-Euphrates, and Shabazar, their associates, went to them and asked. Okay, I want to stop right there. Just in case you're in a small group this week and they call on you to read Ezra chapter 5, just know there's a lot of big, long words in there, okay? Just kind of helping you out there. So, so they asked, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to restore its structure? They also asked, what are the names of the men constructing this building? But the eye of their God was watching over. I love that. But the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews. And they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius and his written reply would be received. But the eye of their God. You see, whenever we take that next step in our spiritual journey, man, there's going to be obstacles. We said last week, we've got an enemy, Satan, who doesn't want us to succeed. But boy, I tell you, when you follow God, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. In fact, if you have some obstacles, that just means that you're doing the right thing many times. Because you are following. And some of you, you're overcoming obstacles because you're here today. And one of your next steps was, man, I'm going to get involved in church. I'm going to go. I'm going to listen. I'm going to worship. I want to grow in my spiritual life. And I want to just say, way to go. Great job. And some of you, you're, you're working on your, your marriage. Some of you, you're working on being that godly husband or father or, or wife or mother. Some of you, you're working on dating godly people. And I want to say, way to go. Great job. But the obstacles will come. 
But I love that it says the eye of their God was watching over them. And God's watching over you. And God believes in you. And then it says this, that they said to him, okay, listen, we're not going to stop the work until you send a letter off to the king and we get the written reply. We're not going to fall for this, hey, we're going to send a letter off and we're going to go back to our houses. We're going to keep doing the work. We're going to stay in the game. We're going to stay engaged. And they did. And God encouraged them. God did two things. One, God encouraged them and God gave them a vision for what their lives could be as they followed him. Haggai, I love this parallel because we're looking back and forth, right, about what's happening at exactly this time. In Haggai chapter 2 and verse 4, it says this, But now be strong, O Zerubbabel. So he speaks to the leader of the people. Oh, be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you just need to hear God saying, do not fear. I'm with you. I haven't given up on you. I haven't forsaken you. I see what's happening in your life. I know the struggles that you're facing. Do not fear. I'm watching over you. I love you. I care about you. Just hold on to that truth. Hold on to that truth that God is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? He gives them this encouragement. Then he casts this vision for them. If you keep going in Haggai chapter 2, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. Now, who is the desired of all nations? The Messiah, right? The Christ. God was preparing them for something huge. The desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying to the people, listen, what you're doing right now is going to impact generations. What you're doing right now and working on my house and serving and following and trusting me, it's going to impact people that you'll never meet. And it will have a greater glory than the former glory. So the former glory, right, was first temple period. Remember that David had this vision to build a temple. Solomon built the temple five, you know, 957 B.C. And it was the temple until 586 B.C. when it was destroyed. And now they're rebuilding. And this is the beginning of the second temple period. But as they rebuilt this temple, this is the same temple that one day Jesus would come and be dedicated. This is the same temple that one day Jesus would come and worship. This is the same temple that God would use in an incredible way to impact the nations for the glory of God. And so he says to the people, what you're doing in your day and in your generation is significant. And I believe that's the vision God wants us to have as well. And sometimes we look at the past and we go, man, I'll never be you know, the godly man like my dad or my grandfather or my great-grandfather. 
I'll never be, you know, a person like my grandmother. Man, she was just a woman of faith. She was so strong. She would pray. She was steadfast. And you know what? God's going, man, I used them in their day. But I've got an incredible vision for you. I've got an incredible purpose for you. And your faithfulness to follow me and your obedience is going to impact people that you may never even meet. But as you are faithful to me, it will reverberate through the generations. When God speaks to you, I'll be obedient. When God speaks to you, you do the work. Because the implications are huge. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Here's number three. And I want you to get this. As we join God in what he's doing, we're called to share his story. We're called to share his story. So the opposition comes. They say, we're going to send a letter off to the king. We're going to get this work stopped. And the people go, okay, fine. Send a letter off to the king. We're going to keep working while you do it. And so the opposition in verse 8 sends this letter off to the king. They say, the king should know that we went to the district of Judah, to the temple of the great God. I love that. Even the opposition recognizes that he is the great God. He is the one who is sovereign over all creation. We went to the temple of the great God, and the people are building it with large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. I love that. These people weren't, you know, like lollygagging around, man. These people were passionate. They were invested. They were doing the work. They were going after it. We questioned the elders and asked them, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? We also asked them their names so that we could write down the names of their leaders for your information. And this is the answer they gave us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. And we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, one that a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers angered the God of heaven, he handed them over to Nebuchadnezzar the Chaldean, king of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to rebuild this house of God. He even removed from the temple of Babylon the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to the temple in Babylon. Then King Cyrus gave them to a man named Shabazer. Now that's Shabazer Zerubbabel. Shabazer was his Babylonian name whom he had appointed governor, and he told him, take these articles and go and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem and rebuild the house of God on its site. So this Shabazer came and laid the foundation of the house of God in Jerusalem. From that day to the present, it has been under construction, but is not yet finished. Now if it pleases the king, let a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did in fact issue a decree to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. Then let the king send us his decision in this matter. You see what the people did? They came and they said, hey, give us the names. What are your names? What are you doing? Man, you're doing great work. You're amazing. What are your names? Let me write it down. And the people turned it around and said, no, 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 no. It's not us. It's God. We are people of the God Most High. And he called us. And then they just shared the story. Hey, listen, we didn't do, we, we're here by the grace of God. We were in captivity. We were a conquered people, but God delivered us. And God brought us back. And God called us to do this. And God has blessed us. You see, so many times we're tempted to steal the glory, right? 
you know, God blesses us and he gives us so many things and this, you know, wonderful house, wonderful job, you know, great car, great life. And, and people look at us and they go, wow, you've got so much. We're like, well, you know, I was lucky. Man, I just hit it big. You know, I mean, I had this deal that worked out. And, and many times we're tempted to say it's about me and God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. Just give me the glory. And we have that opportunity when people look at our lives, we have the opportunity to just go, you know what? Listen, it's by the grace of God I'm here. <laughs> I've got to tell you. I mean, my life, it's not perfect. I've made some mistakes. But I was a slave to sin. I mean, I was in bondage. I was in captivity. And by the grace of God, he delivered me. And by the grace of God, I've got life. I've got breath in my lungs. I've got opportunity to live. Everything I have is his. It's all him. And I just want to give glory to him. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to God. And you and I, we have that opportunity to share his story. To say, look at my God. Look at what he has done for me. There were times I couldn't even pay my bills. There were times when I thought, man, how's this relationship going to work out? And I've seen God do things that only God can do. And I just want to give him the glory. Jesus told his disciples some of the last words that he said to his disciples in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Now, I love that, right? Because we're called to be a witness. A lot of times we're like, I don't know about talking about God. No, 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 no. All you're called to do, and I'm called to do, is just be a witness. You know what a witness does? They get called to the witness stand. And a witness goes to the witness stand, and they're like, listen, I'm just going to tell you what I saw. I'm just going to tell you what I experienced. You know, I saw the red car hit the blue car. I don't know how physics works. I really don't know how it all happened. I just saw this. This is what happened. And that's the great part to you. said, you just be my witnesses. Look, I don't know. I just know this. My life was out of control. I needed help. I needed hope. I called out, and he came to my rescue. I mean, there is a God of grace. I don't get it all. He loves me. I just want to witness to him. I want to be a witness to him. I ran into a lady the other day at the uh, grocery store over at Publix, and I was, I was in there, and I saw her. She goes to our church. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, hey, Pastor Jeff. And so we talked for a minute, and then I'm over, you know, push my little cart, and I'm getting over to aisle three, and I'm over on aisle three, and I'm looking over here, and, and she comes around, like, you know, down this aisle this way. She's like, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff, I've got to tell you something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And she goes, I've been praying for the ladies in my neighborhood. And she goes, you know, I've been praying for my neighborhood, and I'm just praying for everybody. And, and she goes, I've, I've felt this burden that I'm supposed to tell them about Christ, but I can never figure out how to do it. And so we always go, we, we, you know, we have a glass of wine, and we play bunco, and I'm sitting there on my bunco nights, you know, and, I, and I'm like rolling my dice going, I need to tell these people that Jesus loves them, but I don't know how to do that, you know. Jesus loves you, you know, good roll, you know. I mean, she's like, I don't know <laughs> what to do. And so, so she said, you know, we do this every week, and I feel this in my spirit. And she goes, then the other day, just last week, this lady in her neighborhood said, hey, what if we started a Bible study together? Do you think people in our neighborhood would come? And so we did, and we invited people, and everybody's coming. They're coming to our Bible study. Can you believe it? And I'm like... That's awesome. She goes, yes, it's awesome. She was so excited. And I loved that. I just saw her light up with this opportunity because God had put the women of her neighborhood on her heart. And she didn't know what to do. But then God started bringing somebody else and started working in that place. And now there's a Bible study happening over in this subdivision. And I just thought, wow, God. 
See, a lot of times when we talk about sharing God's story, we were like, ah, that's not me, right? You know, I mean, I don't want to go stand on the street corner and go, woo, you know, God, you know, I don't think that's what God's calling us to. I mean, really, I think God's just calling you and I to be a witness, to share, to say what's happened in our lives, what happened in our hearts. You know, if you're out one day and you're camping and you got a bunch of friends and you're over here at your tent and you see a friend walking and they're talking to somebody else and not even looking and they're going right for a ravine, you're going to call out. You're going to say, hey, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. And you and I, when we have people in our lives, and maybe it's a family member, or maybe it's a friend, or maybe even when I'm talking right now, God's already put somebody on your heart, and you see their life, and you see some of the decisions they're making, and God's like stirring in your heart, and all you do is just say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you what God's doing in my life. Because I care about you. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm not going to talk to my kids about God because, you know, I want them to figure that whole thing out on their own. You know, I'm like, really? You want them to figure out the alphabet on their own? You know, hey, good luck, you know, (laughs) figure that out. You know, you want them to figure out driving on the interstate the wrong way is not going to be good for you? I mean, you want them to figure out, no, you want them to figure out playing with fires? No, no, no. God says, please, just share my story. It's a story of hope. It's a story of grace. It's a story of redemption. It's an incredible story. Just share it. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, as God prompts your heart, a lot of times we go, well, you know what? I'm just not smart enough. I mean, you know, I don't know the Bible well enough to talk about God. I don't know the Bible well enough to bring it up when, at my family or in my workplace or my friend. I just don't. I'm not smart. Here's the deal. Listen, all of you are smart. All of you are brilliant right? A lot of times we go, well, it's only the rocket scientists and the brain surgeons that are smart. No, listen, everybody's smart. And, and, and some of you, I mean, you are just brilliant. Some of you are so smart in music, it's unreal. Some of you are so smart in art. Some of you are so smart in business. There's a rocket scientist that would get lost, you know, in any kind of business world, but you just fly through it, man. It's just natural to you. All of us are smart in some way. And God says, you use that for my glory. You use that to share my story. Some of you are brilliant writers. You can blog. You're amazing, man. You're just doing great things. And and, and have you noticed when they shared the story of God, uh, they didn't use one Bible verse. I don't know if you noticed that. They didn't refer back to the Torah, the Pentateuch, the law. They just said, this is what happened. We were in bondage and God delivered us. And God brought us out of captivity, and God sent us back here, and we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're seeing God do miracles. Now, I want you to grow in God's Word. I want you to get deep in God's Word. I mean, we're making a 24-month commitment to go deeper in God's Word, you know, but I'm telling you, it's your story. And nobody can argue with your story, because that's what God's done in your life. God answered your prayer. God came to your rescue. God brought grace and hope when times were hard. It's your story. What was my life like before I met Christ? How did I come to know Jesus? And what's God doing in my life now? And my life will never be the same. And God spoke through Zechariah, this other pastor, this other prophet, and he said to the people, and he said to Zerubbabel, the leader, he said, listen, it's not by might, it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. 
And you and I, our job is just simply to hang on to Jesus. <laughs> our job is simply to hang on to God. And as the Holy Spirit prompts us, then to say, God, use me for your glory. God, use me for your glory in my day, in my time, in my generation, for your name to be lifted high. Zechariah chapter 7. God speaks again, and he speaks to the people as they're working on the temple. And he says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of each other. You see, as God was building the temple in the center of their community, God was doing something even bigger. God was building a people. God was building a people who would radiate him to the nations who would be the ones to prepare to bring the Messiah to the world. And God is building a people here. And as we do the work of God, it's not that we all turn in on ourselves and just say, hey, it's all of us. It's that we turn out. It's God works in our hearts and in our lives. And God says, you administer true justice. You take care of the widow. You take care of the orphan. You have mercy. You reach out to people around you for the glory of God. And as God works in your life and in my life, and as God blesses us, we are then called to be a blessing. We're then called to reach out to the people around us, to make a difference for the glory of God. Hopefully by now you've received one of these kind of brochures and kind of looked at next steps and maybe you've already been praying through, you know, what are my next steps? Or as a family, what next steps are we taking? And there's a, there's a commitment card that we're going to bring together in two weeks on March 9th. And we're going to ask everybody. I mean, this is an all-skate, right? This is everybody plays. You know, we're, we're trusting God that we're in. And we're asking everybody to make a commitment in three areas. Reaching out, growing up, giving all. In, in this area of reaching out, here's the commitment we're asking. 2% of your time over the next 24 months. 2%, okay? 2% of your time over the next 24 months, that would be 14 days over the next two years, that you would give to reach out. And maybe that is that I'm going to be on a Saturday serve. I'm going to come up and I'm going to invest in my community. I'm going to serve some way through my church for God's glory. Uh, maybe that means that God's put somebody in your neighborhood. You're going to start a Bible study at your workplace or in your neighborhood. Maybe, maybe that means you're going to go on a mission trip. And God's already been stirring in your heart about Moldova or the Amazon or South Africa or New Orleans or Kentucky or some place where you're going to go and serve. Or maybe it's Feed My Starving Children. On March 8th, we're going to pack over 100,000 bags right out here in the gallery. 100,000 bags, food bags that we're going to send to orphans all over the world. 100,000. We've already got 350 people signed up. I mean, that may be, you know, you may say, just, hey, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in. But somehow that you would say, I'm ready to take my next step. I'm ready to reach out. I'm ready to grow up. I'm ready to give to be the man or woman that God created me to be. And as you and I step out, the implications are huge. A few years back, uh, there was a guy in our church, and he was just so excited about what God was doing in his life, and still is, and so excited about what God was doing at church. And it got put on his heart, his, the people that he worked with. And he, he told me, he said, Jeff, you know, most of the people now don't go to church. And he said, but, but God's just put them on my heart. And so he started inviting people to church. And there was one lady he invited, and he said, hey, I would love for you to come to my church. And she goes, I don't go to church. He was like, Okay. 
He invited her again. He said, you know, I'd love for you to come to church. She goes, I just, I don't go to church. He's like, okay, no worries. But he goes, I couldn't, I couldn't stop inviting her. He goes, there was just something in me. When we were meeting at the movie theater, it was, it was back kind of the last year of the movie theater. And, and one Sunday she showed up. And she came in and she slipped in and she sat there. She went home that day, she tells us later, and, and her mom and her brother were standing at her house and, and they were like, where have you been? And she said, I went to church. They said, you did what? They said, I went to church. And they said, when you were a kid, you said you would never go to church. And here you are 30 years later, you know, going to church. And she said, I just wanted to see what it was like. Well, she came back the next week. And then the next week, and then the next week. And I met her and I said, how do you like it? How do you like church? And she said, well, I'm not singing. I said, okay. She said, I feel like if I sing, I'm giving in. I said, all right, that's fair enough. I said, I'm just glad you're coming. The next week, the next week, the next week. A couple months later, I saw her. I said, how do you like it? She said, I'm starting to sing. I said, that's awesome. And I just watched this change happen in her life. I watched as she was baptized in Christ going under the water and being raised to walk a new life. I watched as the guy who invited her just stood on the side, just cheering his head off. And then I watched as she got involved in church, and then she turned around and started inviting people, and she invited her sister-in-law. And her sister-in-law hadn't been going to church, hadn't been involved in church, but her sister-in-law started coming to church. And that first year, her sister-in-law signed up to go to Moldova on a mission trip. A couple of months ago, her sister-in-law posted this on Facebook with this picture. She said, I've never posted a throwback Thursday photo. And this one may not be much of a throwback given it was taken July of 2010. But after last night's JMI Gala, I, I thought back to this particular moment of how God is writing my story. This photo was taken within the first 10 minutes after stepping off a bus to meet my very first group of Moldovan orphans on my very first international mission trip. I remember it like it was yesterday. Six trips later, and a ticket in hand for my seventh. And this was the moment that God began preparing my heart for what he had in store for me. Though it was only three years ago, I, I hardly remember my life without the joy of knowing the precious children of Moldova. From the first, please don't let me go embrace from these three grimy, smelly, cavity-riven kids. My life was forever changed. I'm so very thankful for my mission-minded church family and its nonprofit organization, JMI, that gave me the opportunity to go on that first international mission trip. One of JMI's primary missions is to change the lives of the orphan and vulnerable children through the love of Christ. And I have personally witnessed the impact for countless numbers of children. However, unintentionally, the impact on a two-parented, middle-class, middle-aged professional has been no less dramatic. Hashtag, blessed beyond measure. And I just thought, when this guy was prompted by the Holy Spirit to invite a co-worker to church. Did he ever think that he was going to impact orphans halfway around the world? <laughs> Did he ever think that God had a greater plan and a greater purpose for his obedience than he could even imagine? No way. But that's God. That's God. And when God calls you, and God calls me to take a step of faith, the implications are huge. Because God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or ever imagine. And God just says, hold on to me. 
It's going to be an incredible ride. I'm going to do things that, man, will make your head spin. But you will see me work. You hold on to me. And you trust me. And I'll encourage you when you're down, but I'm going to give you a greater vision. Because as the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's not finished with you. God is still at work. And God is molding you and he is shaping you. And he wants to use you in a mighty way for his glory. Will you follow? Will you trust? Will you take your next step? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, right where you are. What's your next step of faith? Maybe today it's salvation. God is drawing you to himself, and it is so clear. And maybe you've been running from God, but today God's saying, I love you. Trust me. And right where you sit, you just say, yes, God, I'm yours. Maybe for you it's, it's baptism. <laughs> Maybe for you it's a mission trip. Maybe for you it's a small group. Maybe for you it's just simply to, to pray and to listen. God's calling all of us. Maybe it's in your marriage or with your kids. Father God, we are your disciples today. And God, you're doing a great work. And I pray, Father, you would find us faithful. I pray that, God, we would hear from you and we'd be obedient to follow. I pray, Lord, when we are scared about our next step or worried or anxious, God, that you would encourage us and wrap your arms around us as only you can. I pray for every person here today, God. I pray for all of us that we would be men and women after your heart, that we would be men and women who seek you all the days of our lives. And that, God, you would give us the boldness and the courage just to share your story, a story of grace, a story of love, a story of redemption, a story of freedom. So thank you, God, that you are present. Thank you, God, for your love. Fill us today with hope and with joy and use us for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.